0: common denominator of all five is the fact that none of them are faithful Christians. Two are erring Christians and three of my five are non-Christians. And the challenge for me this year, 2022, is I want to impact those five. And I want to try my best to convince them of their need to become a Christian, a New Testament Christian. You see, I want to lead them to Christ. I want to lead them to the only one that can make an eternal difference in their lives. I want to be a real leader. To be a real leader, I've got to become a real servant. I'm going to do something daring today. In case you nap off during this sermon, I'm going to go ahead right now and give you the main point of the sermon. That way you won't miss it. Here's the main point. If you want to become a real leader that truly inspires folks to real greatness, first you've got to define the vision, then you've got to delegate. The work. But most important, you've got to deny yourself. Just like Jesus did. That's because real servants are real leaders. Am I a real servant? Now this all applies to my five. And hopefully you've got your five. Five people that you love who right now, if they died, their eternal destiny is hell. We don't like to say that, do we? We don't like to think that, do we? But if we believe the Bible, that is the truth. If they are not faithful New Testament Christians, those five have a one-way ticket to hell. Seven years ago, a man jumped on a bus. The moment he got on that bus, he started yelling. He started screaming. He started pounding his feet on the, on the floor of that bus. He was demanding that the bus take him to the Tokyo airport. The bus driver and um, the people on the bus didn't really, um, they weren't really concerned about the scene That this man was making. And yes, he was truly making a scene. Everybody noticed him. They really weren't concerned for three reasons. Reason number one, the man did not have any type of weapon. No weapon at all. Reason number two, this guy was a small guy. He weighed a grand total of 111 pounds. Dripping wet. They're not really concerned. Most of the women could probably have taken him on and won in a, in a fight. And the third reason, the bus was already going to the airport. Uh, yeah. The man was making a scene. You know, there are a lot of people who want to make a scene. They want to be the, uh, the center of attention, but that does not make them a real leader. After all, If your objective is to keep people happy, take them only to where they want to go, and you'll keep them happy. However, a real leader takes people where they need to go. Your five don't realize it, but they need to go in a direction that they're not going A real leader takes people where they need to go even if they don't want to go there at first. Leadership. And that's really what we're talking about here. Leading people to Jesus. Leadership is getting someone to do what they don't want to do to achieve what they really want to achieve. In this case, eternal life. Remember, everyone is a leader to someone. Do you have a child? you have a child? You're a leader. Do you have any friends? You're a leader. Do you have neighbors? You're a leader. Do you know people at work? You're a leader. Everybody is a leader to someone. So how does a real leader do that? How does a real leader influence? Influence people to achieve more than they ever thought they could. How does a real leader motivate people to be all that God has called them to be? Joshua 18. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel, verse 1, Assembled together at Shiloh, and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. And the land was subdued before them. But there remained among the children of Israel seven, seven tribes, which had not yet received their inheritance. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long? How how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? What's happening? They were not going. They were not leading. The people of Israel are gathered at Shiloh. That's the geographic center of the promised land and the spiritual center, the tabernacle, as well. They had traveled through the wilderness together as a large group. They had entered the promised land together as a large group. They had fought the battles together as a large group. And guess what? They're still staying as a large group. They were not claiming what they needed to do. What God intended them to do. So what does Joshua do here? He clearly shows the people exactly what God has for them. Hey, how long will you wait and take what God has already given you? And that's what you must do if you want to motivate people to go after all that God has for them. Those five people, you realize how much they need God. And you want to what? You want to clearly... Clearly show those people what God has for them. I call this step one. Clearly define the vision. Make sure that they realize what God has to offer them. Make sure that they understand what the church is all about. Make sure that they understand where they are in reference to God. That is, they're outside of His love. At the present time, they are outside of His love. How many of you like to be called to jury duty? I don't see any hands going up. I think that uh, probably none of us enjoy being called to jury duty. One of my authors that I often read wrote about his experience being called to jury duty. He was one of exactly 150 people called that day. And when they showed up in that room, nobody wanted to be there. They're all fiddling with their phones, and they are all got that sire look on their face, and they're all, you know, why did did it happen to be me? In stepped Larry. He is a government employee, and he earns his keep. Larry stepped in there and said, hey guys, I want to say thank you for being here. I know none of you want to be here, but thank you so much. I want you to realize how important you are in our justice system. He went through and explained how the justice system is built on the foundation of judgment by your peers. And then he told a couple of stories about a 92-year-old great-grandma who would take three buses in order to get to the courthouse so she could serve. He told the story about a Vietnam War veteran who had lost both legs in the war but still served on jury duty. And then he talked about the countries out of our world that would love to have the justice system that we have in this country. Pretty soon, you had 150 people proud to be able to serve. Larry was a real leader that day, getting people excited about doing what they did not want to do. And you could be a real leader too. Just lay out the vision before people. Show them how they can be a part of something much bigger than themselves. Show them the advantage of the church. You know, a good car salesman, and John, you know this already, a good car salesman knows the advantage of each car on his lot. And when that prospective buyer shows up, he can readily recall the facts, the figures, the features that would be attractive to that customer. Folks, we are in the business of selling. We are in the business of selling the greatest product ever known to mankind. Amen, Billy? Amen. It's called Christianity. Show them how they can be part of something that's much bigger than themselves. Inspire people to greatness by giving them a vision of how God can use them for His glory. You can be a child of God. You can bring glory to the Creator of all. Inspire people. Proverbs chapter 29, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. We've got to give our five. We've got to give our five a vision, a true vision. So if you want to inspire people to greatness, show them that vision. Define the vision. And then two, delegate the work. Delegate the work. Enlist others in the task. This past week, in regards to one of my five, I've already contacted two of their friends who are Christians. And I've said, hey, I need your help. I need your help in reaching our joint friend, our common friend with the gospel. Will you help me do that? Enlist others in the task and don't micromanage them. I didn't tell these two guys what to do and how to do it. They need to decide how they want to do it. Empower people with the responsibility and the authority to get the job done. That's what Joshua did. Verse 4, Pick out from among you three men for each tribe, and I'll send them. They shall rise and go through the land, survey according to their, not my, but their inheritance, and come back to me. And they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their territory on the south, and the house of Joseph shall remain in their territory on the north. You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts. You've got seven tribes, seven parts. And bring the survey here to me, that I may cast lots for you before the Lord our God. Verse 10 that Corbin read. They brought back those reports, and they divided up the land. Joshua encouraged others to be involved. He delegated. Notice, Joshua didn't describe the land. Joshua didn't divide the land. No, he let each tribe pick their representatives to do that. Then they came back to Joshua, who distributed the land by lot according to their inheritance and designation. Joshua not only assigned tasks to people, he gave them the authority to carry out those tasks well, by having to get his permission I plan to get people helping me on all five of mine. And I'm going to give them the freedom to choose how they help me. And we're going to make a real effort to get those five to the Lord. How about your five? That was, that's what you must do if you want to inspire people to greatness. Greatness. Don't do all the work yourself. Instead, empower others to take on some responsibility and authority. Kind of reminds me of the story of Moses in Exodus 18. He is being worn out to a frazzle, making judgment. His father-in-law says, Moses, I'm going to put this in Arkansas terms. You're wearing yourself out. Get some help. Get some people helping you. Delegate. 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 When a leader does all the work, nobody wins. But when a leader delegates the work to qualified people, both he and the people benefit. When you cast a vision well, people want to get on board. They just need to know what to do. Please don't deny them the privilege of involvement. Instead, show them what to do and then empower them to do it. Give them responsibility and the authority to do what? To carry out their assigned tasks. What about you looking over their shoulder all the time? In Acts 6, the devil tries to derail the church. He had tried intimidation. He had tried bullying the apostles. That didn't work. So then he stirs up a little dissension among the group. You've got the Greek-speaking widows being neglected. And there's a cry from the Grecian widows. Do the apostles stop what they're doing? No. They delegate other men, qualified men. We think this is probably the first deacons to serve the church. And they take care of the problem. And the apostles keep on doing what they were doing, and that was evangelizing and organizing the church. What was the result? Acts 6, verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples... Is it 3,000? Is it 5,000? No, it's multiplying. Multiplying. Multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of who? The priest... Even the priests that served at the temple were obedient to the faith. That's what happens when you do it God's way. When a leader delegates the work, the vision is realized and the mission is accomplished and everyone benefits. You remember this. Apollo 11, July 1969. Where were you on that Sunday evening? I remember where I was. Three men were involved in that moon shot. Two on the moon and one in the orbiting ship. But those three men, those three men were actually backed up by 400,000 men and women. Astronaut Michael Collins said this, all this is possible only through the blood, the sweat, the tears of thousands of people. All you see are the three of us, but underneath the surface are thousands and thousands of others. Lesson learned. You you can't go it alone and get anything of significance done. Enlist the help of others and empower them to do the work with you. You want to inspire people to greatness? Define the vision, delegate the work, but most importantly, deny yourself. Lay aside the perks and privilege of leadership and put the interests of others above those of yourself. Be the first to serve and the last to benefit. If we're going to impact five people, we're going to have to make some personal sacrifices. We're going to have to give up some things that we want to do to be able to spend time with those five people and influence them and help them to see the need they have for Jesus. We're going to have to deny ourselves. That's what Joshua did here. The rest of chapter 18 and chapter 19 describes the distribution of the land among the various tribes. Then, only after all the other tribes have received their allotment, Joshua receives his. Joshua 19, verse 49... When they made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for. Did he ask for prime property? Did he ask for the very best? No, that's not Joshua. As the leader of God's people, Joshua could have demanded and received the best part of the land, instead he asked and receives a little city in the rugged mountainous region that his own tribe complained about back in chapter 17. You see Joshua Joshua was a real leader. He chose last and he chose least. Wall Street Journal February 20th, 2019, article, front page. The best bosses are humble bosses. I'm not surprised. If you know anything about the Bible, you're not surprised. Real leaders are not self-absorbed. Instead, they deny themselves. That's exactly what Jesus himself did. Philippians Chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Be like Jesus. True respect does not come from demanding it. It comes from denying yourself like Jesus did if you want to be a real leader, if you want to lead your five to the Lord this year, inspiring people to real greatness, don't hang on to all your rights and privileges. Instead, give them up in order to serve others and inspire greatness. Who do you want to be? I'm going to describe leader A, and then I want to describe leader B. And I want you to decide which one you want to be. Let's first look at Leader A. Leader A lifted an entire nation in a time of deep despair. He mobilized his people against unimaginable odds with a clear vision and inspired deep passion. Leader A launched a movement that impacted literally everyone alive. He set in motion a industrial and scientific revolution. By the time he died at age 56, everyone knew his name. He literally changed the world. Leader B. Leader B lived during the same era. In fact, Leader B died just 21 days before Leader A. But Leader B's life was very different at the very height of his influence. Leader B ran a school with just 100 students. He wrote a few books, but was not widely regarded at all. Leader B was beloved by his friends and family and had a reputation for being both intelligent and faithful. But at the time of his death, almost no one knew his name, except that about a hundred or so people. And most considered his life's work unfulfilled, including Leader B himself he thought he had not really amounted to anything at all in his life. So given the choice, which leader's strategies would you rather study? If there was a leadership conference and those two people were brought back to life, which conference would you rather attend? The one featuring a keynote address in the big auditorium by Leader A, because, you know, he was known by all or the one with the small workshop in the back hall led by Leader B? So which one is it? Are you Leader A or Leader B? If you are inspired by the world-changing effectiveness of Leader A, congratulations! You've chosen this guy. The A stands for Adolf. Adolf Hitler. If you chose Leader B, the B stands for Bonhoeffer, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the German preacher who was executed by the Nazis for his relentless opposition to Hitler. You see, today's, today Bonhoeffer's commitment and sacrifice inspires millions of people. On the other hand, millions of people despise Hitler's self-serving grab for power. In the long run, who was the real leader? Leader B. If you want to become a real leader that truly inspires folks to real greatness, define the vision, delegate the work, but most important, deny yourself just like Jesus did. That's because real leaders are real servants. There's a song in our songbook. 694. Lord, make me a servant. Lord, make me like you. For you are a servant. Make me one too. Lord, Make me a servant. Do what you must do to make me a servant. Make me like you. Do we believe that? Do we practice that? Are we ready to be true servants this year? You know what comes next? Comes at the end of all of my sermons. God's simple plan of salvation, I have purposely chosen verses spoken by Jesus himself to what, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Have you done that? If you have, do you need to seek forgiveness as a Christian? 1 John 1, 9, the church stands ready to pray for you and with you. James five sixteen. Andy has selected a song to encourage you to make that decision. Elders will be up here waiting for you will you please come as we stand and sing for your encouragement Get a little, 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 little.